Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is M, and I want to talk about books and cats. Welcome back, book lovers. So I just saw a trailer for the West End premiere of The Ocean at the End of the Lane, which is based on Neil Gaiman's book, obviously. And it looks incredible. It was really interesting to see it staged. And I'm such a big theater nerd, so I was really excited about that. I cannot wait to be able to go see some live shows again. I've got one vaccine. I've got one more to go. End of the month. I'll be good to go. I'm still probably going to stay home. <laughs> but yeah, I just I miss live art so much. And that looked amazing. And that's a Neil Gaiman book that I haven't read yet. That's on my to read list. Um, Speaking of to read lists, I found a great article on bookriot.com that was called Beginner Mistakes to Avoid During a 24-Hour Readathon. And I was like, what is a 24-hour readathon? I mean, I know what it is. It's a 24-hour thing where you read. Uh, obviously, but I didn't know that this was like a regular thing that people did, and it definitely got my attention. So let me give you the tips from the article. The first one is that you don't have to read for the full 24 hours. You can just focus on reading more and making it the main goal for that day, Um, which an entire day where your only goal is reading. Love that. Second tip, don't be too ambitious. Don't stress if you don't get through War and Peace, um, which would definitely not be something I would try to tackle in a 24-hour period. Number three, have lots of options. So while some people, I guess, prefer to read a single large book like War and Peace, uh, this says that it helps to have an assortment of shorter books to choose from kind of based on how you're feeling um, and maybe, you know, several different genres to choose from. Number four, plan ahead. Schedule chores and other responsibilities as much as you can around your reading time for 24 hours. Oh, that sounds so amazing, doesn't it? Uh, oh, sorry, I can't do the dishes. I'm reading my book. <laughs> um, and number five, don't consume too much caffeine and sugar, <laughs> which is really like, I just need to carry that around with me. That's the story of my life. Um, anyway, you'll crash and feel tired and sluggish. Um, plus, it could make you feel sick. So when I read this article, I was super tempted, and uh, it had a link to Dewey's 24-hour readathon, and I signed up this morning. (laughs) Uh, It's on April 24th, and I'm super excited to give it a try. I'm going to be posting mostly on Instagram and on the Books and Cats Pod website, booksandcatspod.com. So join me if you have a giant TBR pile that is just calling your name. Um, Speaking of my TBR pile or shelf, which really it's more of a pile on a shelf at this point. (laughs) Let's talk about the book Lock Every Door by Riley Sager. So I've been saving this book. I really love Sager's writing style. 
and I tore through his other books so fast. Um, I had this one ready to go after I finished the others, but I made myself wait. I didn't know at that point when there would be another one coming out. I have found out since then that there's a new one coming out in June, which I'm super excited about. I found a person on Instagram that lately has been reading all of the same books as me and is also a Riley Sager fan, and she knew the date. Check out at Books and Sensi for her awesome book reviews and recommendations. Anyway, the thing I like about Sager's writing is that he has a way of creating a mystery that seems almost inhuman, ghosts in the case of this book, but then it morphs into something else, and then sometimes it morphs again, but it doesn't go backwards. It just unfolds. And I don't mean that it doesn't go backwards in time. This one does. It jumps back and forth. But you don't go back to believing something that you believed before and then found to be wrong. I guess that's what I mean. So like I said, the story does jump back and forth a little. But the nice thing is that it's only a six-day time span. So the action just ramps up so fast. So this book involves the Bartholomew. It's a ritzy, gargoyle-covered, privately-owned luxury apartment building. Somehow, Jules, our main character, has landed a super sweet apartment sitting job. There are some strange and rather strict rules because the Bartholomew is all about privacy, but the pay is sweet and the apartment is amazing. And it's a good thing, too, because Jules has been through a lot. Her sister vanished, her parents died, and then when she starts to get things together, she loses her job and finds her boyfriend with another girl in the apartment that, unfortunately, only his name is on the lease. So she's been crashing on her friend Chloe's couch, but she's starting to feel like a burden to her successful friend, and the chance to have her own place in a luxurious building in New York City and get paid for it is, as Chloe puts it, too good to be true. But it seems like a miracle. It's absolutely perfect timing, so Jules jumps at the chance. Now, like I said, Chloe is not convinced. Chloe is a really good friend. She is worried, and she advises Jules against going there. She wants her friend to stay with her and offers to pay for whatever she needs and help her as long as she needs. She's not just being overprotective. She's heard things about the Bartholomew. There are stories of deaths and suicides and murder and ghosts and strange sightings. The Bartholomew is a mystery that everyone in the city is fascinated by, but no one is ever allowed to access. The residents there are very famous and very rich. They require the utmost privacy, hence the rules for the apartment sitters. And a big one is not to disturb the residents. Jules is not the only one. There are a couple of other sitters that work in the Bartholomew. And she can talk to them. <laughs> she befriends one, a girl named Ingrid, who is actually staying in the apartment right below hers. They go to Central Park for a hot dog, and the girl is saying some strange things. Jules is confused by her behavior, but decides that she seems nice enough and she'll just be kind of cautious. That night, Jules is awoken by the sound of a scream around 1 a.m., and it came from the apartment below hers, Ingrid's apartment. Jules runs down there to check on her, and after an impossibly long time, she opens the door and is acting weird. And she sends Jules off abruptly. The next morning, she is gone, and the landlady says she moved out but Ingrid isn't answering any texts, and Jules is worried. Something strange is going on at the Bartholomew, but it is far worse than Jules suspects. 
Okay, no more spoilers, book lovers. There haven't been that many, trust me. This one is so good. Just when I thought I had it figured out, it changed it up. And then again, it just kept me guessing the whole time. I loved it. Um, Riley Sager is definitely one of my new favorites. I love everything he's written. I can't wait for the next one. And I love this one so much. Okay, now let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I'll tell you about my cat Zeus's latest adventures and the gift that Weird brought me this morning. Hey, book lovers, I have found the perfect lip gloss. I'm always looking for a good moisturizer for my lips, but they tend to be really sticky or chunky or it just comes off way too quick. When Athea came out with the lip gloss, I jumped at it because I love everything that they make. Um, I ended up getting raspberry, strawberry, and cherry, and I'm so glad that I stocked up. It's clear and smooth and light, and it stays on for a long time. I absolutely love it. You can check it out, along with all of Athea's other great products, by using the link in the show description. And if you use my code, which is also in the show description, you can get 10% off your order. Give your lips some love with Athea. Welcome back, book lovers. All right, let me tell you about the happiest cat in my household right now. It is our oldest cat, Zeus. He has been just out in the sunshine and the grass and the fresh air every day for about a week and a half now. He gets so incredibly excited and he purrs like crazy. And he goes up to each of us and rubs against our legs like he's trying to say thank you. He's just so excited. He is the sweetest cat. Um, he's fast too. He has started to sneak out when we open the kitchen door, but luckily he always stops just off the porch because he wants to eat grass. So he's easy to catch. He has also started like meowing at all of us for the entire day until somebody takes him outside. So that's a fun new habit, (laughs) but he's so happy and he's such a sweet cat that he deserves the absolute best. Another sweet cat, my other boy, Weird, uh, brought me a gift this morning, which I can't say I was like super happy about, but it was very cute. Um, I got up to go to the bathroom and I came back to my room and there was a mouse on my floor and he was sitting there very proud. I hope it was dead. I don't know. I didn't stick around. (laughs) I ran away and made my husband deal with it because that's how I handle mice. And Weird was a little upset that we took his kill away, but he was very proud because he does not make a lot of kills. I'm not 100% sure that he did it either because the other girls were around and they usually do the killing, but he acted like it was his and he was very, very proud of it, which was very cute. I just don't want it in my room, you know? All right, so now it's time for the quote of the week, and this week I have two quotes. They both use cats as similes, And I just really like them. So the first one is from someone named Charles M. Blow, who's a columnist. And it is, a lie is like a cat. You need to stop it before it gets out the door or it's really hard to catch. I guess unless it's a lie like Zeus and then it's easy to catch. But if any of the other ones get out, oh boy. (laughs) And then the second quote is from Ray Bradbury, um, the fabulous author of Fahrenheit 451. And the quote is, that's the great secret of creativity. You treat ideas like cats. You make them follow you. Which is an interesting quote. I do wonder 
how he is getting cats to follow him. Because mine don't tend to do that. Zeus does. But so he's the idea that will definitely follow you and is easy to catch. (laughs) Anyway, that is it for this episode, book lovers. Um, Make sure to stick around after the music for chapter 16 of my weekly writing project, Heart of the Storm. Um, I'm writing a chapter a week and sharing it with minimal editing. So be kind. (laughs) If you have not had a chance, please hop on over to iTunes and give the podcast a like and a review. It helps so much. And I am so grateful. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep reading. Thanks for sticking around, book lovers. Here's chapter 16 of Heart of the Storm. Kevo's heart was pounding in his ears, but he could still hear the roar of the engine and the tires spinning in the dirt. The car bore down on him, and the lights shone red through his closed eyelids. He took a deep breath and waited. Something slammed into Kevo's side and knocked him off the road. It was a steep slope, and Kevo tumbled head over feet down the loose rocks and slippery mud. Rocks pelted him in the head, and the sand filled his eyes and mouth. He struggled to stop his descent, but there was nothing to grab. It all slid away underneath him. A black blur flashed by and snagged the back of his shirt. Kevo made a strange, strangled sound as he left the ground and shot across the sky. They were traveling fast, and he fought against the wind to look up and see who, or what, held him. He twisted all around, but he couldn't get a good look. Stop squirming, said a voice, or I'll drop you. Kevo held still. After some time, the wind slowed and the surrounding lands took shape. Kevo guessed they were somewhere near the river. Large piles of boulders formed towering masses that resembled the giant creatures from kids' tales. Whoever held Kevo lowered him gently down to the ground, and he landed in the soft grass when his legs refused to hold his weight. He found that he was trembling all over, and completely unable to control the shaking. Hey man, you okay? A worried face bobbed into Kevo's line of sight. His thin, pale face was framed by long silver locks. He was wearing a long black cloak lined with fur, and fastened with the bone of an unknown animal, something with very sharp teeth. Drink this. The young man's voice sounded strange, wobbly, and far off, like he was hearing him underwater. Kevo tried to respond, but nothing came out. He couldn't move. He couldn't speak. Shoot, said the silver-haired young man as he rummaged around. Kevo could see his movements, but not much else. He saw the syringe when the young man lifted it and examined the contents, silvery and shining. He saw it when the young man plunged it into his chest. The world exploded into a bright and shiny fireworks display golds and greens, blues and silvers. The world was glittery and amazing. Kevo felt the interconnectedness of the universe. He saw his lives, past and present, and his place in the tapestry of time. His body was growing hot. At first it felt warm and pleasant, safe. Kevo was in bliss. 
Then it grew hotter and more uncomfortable. His skin grew tight like the head of a drum, and every movement sent a shockwave of searing pain throughout his body. Come on, man, come back. He heard the young man's voice from somewhere high above and far away. Breathe, man. Cool out. Cool out, thought Kevo. The words repeated over and over. He could see them, bright blue and glowing, and then growing dim, and then glowing once again. They brought a fresh coolness to his body. His skin loosened, and the ache receded. The world was coming back. He was sprawled in a thicket of soft grass and tiny yellow flowers. Kevo had never seen anything like them before. He thought Harper would absolutely love them. Harper. His heart hurt every time she crossed his mind. He had failed her in every way. He chose the lesser evil, but his father was not a kind man. Kevo didn't trust him. But Harper's mother, Thea, was an even worse option. Hey. You with me? The silver-haired young man was waving his hand in front of Kevo's face. His expression was a mix of concern and impatience. I don't want to rush you, but I have to. He gestured with a black-gloved hand to a thin, silvery veil, which lay between this gentle, magical world and the darkness from which he had fled. Well, he had actually given up, but this strange young man intervened. Not very heroic, but Kevo was still appreciative. Thanks, he said. The young man nodded and rose to his feet. Follow me, he said, and stay close. He sprinted through the grass with Kevo on his heels. When they reached the edge of the grove of trees, Kevo hesitated. He had never seen these types of trees, tall and slender, pale green and shimmery. Leaves sprouted haphazardly along the trunks and burst into thick tufts of leaves at the top. Come on, the young man urged. We're almost there. He slipped into the trees and vanished into the shadows. Kevo followed tentatively, trying to mark a path back out. He knew nothing of this strange young man, and even though he had saved his life, Kevo didn't completely trust him. He moved slowly. He had lost sight of the young man except for an occasional flash of his silver hair. Kevo realized that the tree trunks were emitting a soft glow. The darkness was closing in outside, but this place felt safe and cool, a respite from danger. Kevo paused to look around. He took a deep breath of fragrant, re-energizing air and closed his eyes. When he opened them, the young man was standing in front of him, so close their noses were almost touching. The young man smirked and pushed Kevo as hard as he could. Harper dashed down a narrow alley and ducked behind a rusty dumpster. The darkness had settled over most of the valley. The thick fog rolled in and made visibility almost impossible. She'd lost Gemma. Harper didn't dare to call out to her. She just tried to keep moving east. There was a rustling in the fog. The sound was distorted, but it wasn't very far off. That was the worst thing about the fog. There were creatures in it, ghost-like and flitting from place to place. Gemma had warned her against crossing their path, and Harper had noticed that they didn't notice Gemma until she was directly in their line of sight. However, they all noticed Harper. They hadn't approached her, but they followed when she passed. Their number was growing. There was a constant low rumble in the distance. Non-stop thunder. 
And there was something else as well. A shrieking howl that traveled over the wind and made the ghosts flee and hide. She moved quickly, fighting her own fear and shaking legs. She took a random zigzagging route to try and evade her phantom followers. The shrieking howl cut through the night and Harper cowered. A loud clap of thunder and a bright bolt of lightning followed. The lightning illuminated the foggy terrain for the briefest moment, and Harper saw her. Gemma was running through the fog, making a beeline for Harper. She dove for her and clutched Harper's arms. Call them, she cried out. Harper, call them now! Harper didn't need to ask who. She nodded solemnly. A low growl rumbled nearby, the sound of a large, stalking predator. Do it now! Gemma screamed. Come to me, Harper commanded. Her voice boomed with an unfamiliar confidence. The wraiths returned and surrounded them in a swirling silo of ghosts. Gemma released her death grip on Harper's arms and smiled. Nice job, sis, she laughed. This is kick-ass. I don't know what I'm doing. Traveling in style, Gemma laughed. And safety. Now we'll definitely make it to the eastern woods. Harper swallowed hard. Isn't that close to the river? Yep, Gemma nodded. And the dark-hearted ones. But we'll be fine. The forest is protected from almost everything. Another long, shrieking howl made the girls jump. Does it protect from that? Harper asked. Gemma didn't respond, but she didn't need to. Her wide-eyed look of terror said it all. And that is the end of Chapter 16, book lovers. I hope you're still enjoying Heart of the Storm. Remember that I'm also sharing my book feelers. Every Sunday is a new chapter or two sometimes on Storytime with M. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time, keep reading. <laughs>